Challengers, welcome back to Challenge Me For You. I'm Nazia, and today I have a wonderful guest speaker who will speak on the stigma of anger among women and how she found art as a channel to emotionally regulate anger while advocating to destigmatize women who express anger. How can we allow anger as an emotion that women also feel and express without being labeled as crazy? or emotional volatile, or mentally unstable. Here, we also use abilities and nurturing values in human to navigate young women to learn about their skills and their abilities to help them process their feelings, especially anger, while using their strengths. From her personal journey, she will share her experience with art and how it became a significant aspect in her life as a woman to be in touch with her emotion yet give back to others and teach others to tap into their strengths. It is beyond the understanding of a palette, paint and canvas, sketch pad and pencils. It's more a conceptual understanding and a way of guiding your life. For Mike Odemezzo, please welcome Miss Rima Basha. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much and you're welcome. Ms. Rima, tell me about your personal journey of why you chose anger as a topic in relation with art. That's actually a very good question, and one that really, honestly, Nazia, has made me question this several, several times. Um, for the most part, there is actually a song that is currently playing on the radio by The Man. It's called The Man by Taylor Swift. Very popular, and it talks about specifically challenging the cultural stigma behind women who are um, who express this specific emotion. And knowing myself in the past, I have definitely expressed anger in a lot of ways, from working out to singing to writing, etc., etc. And combining that with my own personal experiences, I've had numerous um, occasions where when I was dating in particular, um, I was often questioned, why was I so expressive? You know, like, why were you so sensitive? Why are you so angry? You know, you need to calm down, you know, for just expressing basic human needs. Um, So for the most part, I nowadays I have gotten, you know, through my experience, Um, And as well as kind of self-introspection, I have learned how to integrate my anger in a way that is not just, is not going to be destructive, but constructive. And art really helps to utilize that, you know, that's like basically the medium to utilize and express your anger. Oh, wow. That's that's a great uh, way of channeling, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, What are some of the physical symptoms you feel when you're angered in your body? Big one would be um, a rise in heart rate. That's a big one. Muscles tightening up, jaw clenching, um, definitely sweaty palms, and the sudden and intense urge to act out, whatever that is. It could just be verbally lashing out, or it could just, you know, just be, you know, basically honking somebody who passes by, you know, cuts me off, things of that nature. But physically, that's, it's the muscles that are tightening. Yeah, that would be the one. And in that moment, what, uh, what measures do you take to kind of get to a place where you can kind of relax into it physically first? That, yeah, that typically, so there was actually a book called Don't Bite the Hook. And I don't remember, I can't recall the specific name of the author. Bama Jodhran. Bama Jodhran, that's what it was. Yes, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Bama Jodhran. 
And for me, the big one is I notice that I become more empowered when I realize and I see that anger is just an emotion. It's not a fact. It's not something that I will die with. If I can see it from that perspective, then typically I end up calming down um, and I realize and I question myself, what is the payoff that I'm going to get if I act out? Yeah, sure. I'll get the short term gain, but what about the long term implications? So I all nowadays I'm much more mindful about that and so I try my best to question myself if I'm about to have those urges. So like do you drink water? What how what immediate physical needs do you um do to soothe that tension in your body? Um big one is uh let's say for example um if I was behind the wheel, mm-hmm. go to a corner. Um stop. Just stop with what you're doing. So that means for me, isolate, isolate, take a time out and, and, and that includes drinking water and that includes eat, getting a bite to eat if I'm hungry and, um, you know, sometimes progressive muscle relaxation, but sometimes also I reach out to a friend and say, Hey, you know, I'm feeling really angry right now. I just need, I just need, um, somebody to hear me out. So yeah, those would be the big ones. The physical ones. Yeah. And so the next stage would be, um, you mentioned, I guess, that it goes into something I called um, unity. So who are your like people that you go to? Do you reach out to a friend? Um, definitely. Definitely. Friends, definitely. Um, and for me, I like to have a close circle of friends. The people that I trust and know that they, they, they still accept me despite me having these emotions. Um, and of course sometimes they're available but sometimes they're not and if they're not available I can reach out to the crisis center and call them they're always you know non-judgmental people there um and sometimes I me personally I love because like I said I'm a very creative person I like to you know um pay attention with my senses and I'm a visual person because I love to paint I love to do oil pastels I typically go out in nature and pay attention to some of uh, nature's beauty. Like if there's a tree that has um, that only has bare limbs and there's no leaves on it, I would pay attention and stare at that for a little bit, for a long period of time. Wow. And focus on nature. Right. Like as your social... And so you also mentioned mental and emotional regulation. So your way of mentaling is questioning. I would like to revisit that. You said mentioning about questioning. Yeah. Um, questioning. Sometimes I do try to be my own consultant. Um, sometimes when I question, um, <clears throat> I ask myself, okay, clearly I'm upset. And clearly, you know, there is this very, you know, this, this person, you know, has hurt me in some way. Um, but the thing is, do I have to define that? Like, in other words, does that define me and my entire life experience at that point in time? No, it doesn't. It's just an emotion, and I try to, like I said, I try to use my own phrases too, like this, this too shall pass, and um, you know, like um, calming down phrases, things that will de-escalate. Because essentially, you know, when we're kids, we're taught, you know, the way how we emotionally regulate is based off of the first formative years of our life based off of the role models of other people. If you were raised in a dysfunctional household, your emotional regulation template is going to be reflective 
is going to reflect based off of those early life experiences. So me having had a series of, tra- you know, traumatic experiences as a kid, sometimes I gravitate towards what's the tried and true and the old and familiar. But now because I am try I am regulating using different ways of doing, you know, different channels, healthier channels, um, that is basically me trying on a new suit and I'm trying to um, basically change myself and transform myself to a better person. Oh, wow. Now, he also mentioned this is the abilities. What strengths, and I think one of them is art, yeah. that you used to help you process when this anger hits you. And you mentioned already. Yeah. Um, really want to revisit that. Uh, big, How art. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to kind of get some clarification, are you asking like how I how how I use art to? What is your strength to? And yeah, I think um, you mentioned art being the strength, which yeah. is your skills and ability. Yeah. To channel. Yeah. Um, anger. How did that come about? Why did you see art? Well, I would say this. When I went through another breakup, um, not too long ago, it was like two years ago, um, with someone I was really in love with, um, but things just didn't work out. Um, during that phase of my period, I was really, really angry and I utilized, um, oil pastels and started to put in 15 minutes, almost every day or every other day. And I would just color and color. And I also had a friend who now, uh, we're no longer friends, but, um, she and I were very close at one point and she inspired me to utilize art. In, in this case, it was oil pastels, um, for 15 minutes, something that is, that is tangible that you can act out in a healthy manner. And so for me, that's how I used it. I treated art as something that I can, because to be honest with you, um, for me, and again, it, it, it's different strokes for different folks. Um, for me, I used to do the whole journal writing, but the problem is that it exacerbates my emotions for me. So I realized I don't want something that will make it worse. I want something that will help me process it and for me to process it and move forward. And art was that way that stuck out for me, you know, and oil pastels because they were very, um, they're heavily textured and you could actually push onto the paper and it produces a strong color pigment. That color is that the fact that I see that pigment on my paper is like me expressing those emotions and reflect my emotional um, state. Yeah, so my state of mind. So when after going through that breakup and for an entire month, I would do that almost every day. That really helped me a lot and it helped me to validate my own emotion, my experiences at the time. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And now you're nurturing this value of um, allowing art to be that channel to express anger, to normalize the, the whole thing about anger that women have they're not just to sit and look pretty as you mentioned they are also um vulnerable to express these different emotions just like we say toxic masculinity there's also you know right this uh false understanding that women uh, should just be crying and be helpless right but not be angered or express anger right but so you're also giving back and you mentioned something about working with uh women who are incarcerated. Right. Can you speak a little bit on that? What are you trying to do? Sure. Yeah. Specifically, um, juvenile girls. So, you know, adolescent girls, because they're, they're at a point in development in their, um, stage, the, the brain, the myelin sheath, which is often, um, 
constantly it's growing at a fast rate at that age um and juvenile girls for some reason you know is a population that I'm very drawn to because they are at that stage in life where they have had a lot of traumatic history with you know you know abuse which I've also been through so I can relate to them and identify with them and at the same time they have lots of rage lots of anger lots of pain and you know, reading from articles, like tons, there's tons of research out there about how art is so beneficial for this population. And in fact, as part of my master's thesis, I actually um, conducted tons of research on that and presented that um, in a PowerPoint for my uh, staff, mm-hmm. for my faculty. Um, but that population, yeah, definitely intrigues me because that is the most developed, that is a population where the brain is developing really fast and that's when um, girls are at that point between adulthood and childhood they're at that threshold where their personality is coming you know into place and you know if they have lots of trauma you can start seeing how their behaviors are manifesting now as um, somewhat adult like some quasi adults Mm -hmm. Um, so that for me is a population that I'm very attracted to and I'm very drawn to, and actually I did a qualitative study by observing how um, doing a spoken word session wow. really helped, you know, a lot of the girls, there were about 22 girls in, uh-huh. in the uh, residential facility at that session. And, oh, I kid you not, Nazia, almost every girl, minus a couple who were not, you know, you know, they had their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. But for most part a lot of them were immersed into the artistic creative experience. Oh, that's lovely. So yes, that just witnessing that right there was, gave me a lot of hope professionally Mm -hmm. that, you know, that, wow, we can actually find creative programs for women who, you know, for young girls who are incarcerated. Plus on top of that, they go through a lot of stigma just by being an incarcerated female period that if there are, if there's hope there, there is hope in trying to culturally reform, um, like basically reform our culture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which originally holds this belief that women who express anger are crazy, mentally unstable, and um, are essentially pariahs. Mm-hmm. And so finding different outlets for them to channel that, to be heard and seen and understood, right, is essential because underneath that layer of anger, yeah, there's something uh, that's not being met or communicated because right. of the stigma that a woman shouldn't feel that emotion, right, right. unless it belonged to a certain uh, model of right you know, what this fallacy or right uh, understanding of a woman should be, right, exactly. And it's 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 so interesting because. Um, in our culture, women are taught to be the peacemakers, the ones who are diplomatic, the ones who build nurturance and um, and whatnot. Men, however, are allowed to express anger because essentially that's what, you know, we have been kind of taught to believe that they're the aggressors or the initiators. Um, and if a woman shows that kind of tendency to be more aggressive, it's like, well, you know, she's she is you know, I'm not going to use any expletives, but she's just a bad part, you know, like being mm-hmm. very evil, mean, you know, just, Delicious. um, yeah, vitriolic. Mm-hmm. So yes, that has to, that has to change. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it in music videos. We're seeing it in a lot of artistic, 
um, outlets. Mm -hmm. So if we're seeing, you know, more pop music where female artists are now coming up and saying, hey, you know, it's totally okay to be a very upset, you know, an angry female. Mm -hmm. This is going to help more and more women be okay with expressing anger in a creative way. But of course, you know, um, I'm not going to condone you know, acting out behavior, you know, that's just, that's definitely unacceptable, but allowing that space for creative space for women to express anger is acceptable. That's wonderful. And yeah, like you said, for either, if it's male or female, there's always this threshold that shouldn't cross over, meaning where it comes to toxic raging. Right. Um, not to say that they're gonna, you know, this will give them the opportunity to become this unhealthy and right. malicious version of right. anger, but it's anger in a way, yeah, yeah, I'm upset, owning it. Right. And saying it, yeah, this angers me, this bothers me, I also have this emotion. But yet, whether you're male or female, when it crosses that threshold of destructive behavior. Right. Where, how do you kind of, uh, can you kind of explain how do you differentiate that from... Right. Um, where uh, you would say, quote unquote, anger being healthy and then, quote unquote, unhealthy anger. So, anger that is healthy is is anger that is contained. In other words, it's a place where somebody can show their pain through a creative filter. And when I say creative filter, I'm talking about journal writing, I'm talking about performance or painting and drawing. Um, also, when trying to confront another person, doing it in a way that involves respect, mutual trust care, love, and respect. Mm -hmm. That's, and if anger is contained within those parameters, that would be considered healthy anger. Mm -hmm. Now, when it becomes unhealthy is when it breaks and breaches and infiltrates past those parameters, past those boundaries. When you start seeing, for example, somebody um, being passive aggressive or manipulating you. So something as, you know, and of course there's gradations mm -hmm. of what's considered toxic too. I mean, there's always um, somebody who can be manipulative and um, sabotage mm -hmm. your efforts, you know, period, mm -hmm. to someone who straight up can slash your tires and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, basically be show pathologies and mm -hmm. act out that way. So it really, you know, honestly, the best way that you can tell if something of anger is unhealthy versus healthy is if it's contained within those parameters of mutual respect and mm -hmm. trust and it's done in a creative fashion. Oh, that's wonderful. Because, yeah, people think uh, cursing at someone, right. disrespecting, belittling them, right. yelling, screaming. Right. Uh, yeah, I want to hone that, you know, like, that is definitely, like, where anger is not contained. Right. Um, and, like, you know, going back to the models, like, you know, who, how has anger right. been shown? Right. Um, and then versus an anger where, yeah, it's upsetting. I'm right. feeling that I'm not being heard, understood here. Right. Can we take a moment to, to, to you know, right. listen to what I'm, what my concerns are? Right. Um. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate that. Uh, definitely, do you have anything else that you would like to add on? Um, yes, definitely. Um, in fact, what I was going to suggest for a lot of the viewers or listeners um, to get more information about this, there is countless number of resources that are surfing online that talk about um, women, anger, and creativity as well, um, which is, you can typically find in a lot of academic journals, but definitely I would say that that would be a great starting point to really integrate um, anger as a nece necessary um, emotion specifically for women that they can use when, um, when channeling and expressing themselves.
Excellent. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing more of your work with working with this incarcerated uh, female youth because I definitely think that's a wonderful outlet for them. Yes. And uh, really reducing that stigmatism. Right. Uh, stigma. Yeah. About anger. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you Miss Reba. It was wonderful. Challengers, please stay tuned. More to come up and remember, rehabilitate and elevate through self-care. Challengers, welcome back to Challenge Me For You. I'm Nazia, and I'm wishing you a super safe Sunday. I know right now there's a lot of distress about the current pandemic of coronavirus. So, do you know what's the best answer to relieve this stress? Yep, that's right. I know you want to hear it again. Self-care. I also will join you to own this feeling of distress and uncertainty of this pandemic, and I'm hoping that taking some self-care strides will allow us to be aware and prepare for this illness to be less impactful or detrimental, not just for us, but for those who are more susceptible, such as babies, pregnant women, younger children, elders, and people with compromised immunity or other health issues. So yeah, basically everyone. Also, especially to my dearest and wonderful healthcare heroes and professionals, my heart goes out to all of you who are working with such a diverse and vulnerable population. So here I want to consistently remind you all to please make sure you take this time for implementing self-care. You may even need to incorporate more of the 545 strategies in between, but in a more sterilized fashion. So don't touch that strawberry without washing your hands. My aim today is to navigate some awareness through self-care strategies. Now, this term comes with a lot of meaning behind it. So I'm going to break it down to you today on what self-care means and please make sure you redefine and realize it the way you want to. But I'll give you a basic blueprint to navigate this term. I will start with a more sterile 5 for 5 activity today to hone in on self-care. Also, I'm going to start off with hand washing. Oh yeah, it's the hottest skill right now, guys. Now, some people say, well, what if I do not have a sink available or I can't stop somewhere and wash my hands? Now, if you prioritize hygiene right now, you will carry a bottle of water or hand soap in your car or backpack or anywhere and stop somewhere to do a quick wash or use your Lysol wipes. And due to the scare, you won't find those immediately accessible. Remember the bathrooms, who knows who goes in and out of there? So here, in my hand washing, I'm going to knock out the sense of touch and smell. The aroma of the rain scent in my hand soap. And also caressing my hands for 20 seconds. Now, I enjoy lathering and touching my skin, rubbing the center of my palm with the soap 
Then moving onto each finger, moving up and down in a circular motion on the back of my hands and then my fingertips. So now I'll run it down with a stream of lukewarm water. Now that's been taken care of, I will be moving on to the sense of taste. I have this packaged food item. It's called Choco Health Bites that is made of oats, flax seeds, cocoa powder with dried fruits, four grams of protein, and only two grams of sugar. Yes! Going to stick with my two rule, which is only two pieces. And for the sense of hearing, you can hear my binaural beats and sense of sight. I'm looking at this faith quote. It says, faith, it does not make things easy, but it makes them possible. I got this beautiful wall decor as a gift from a dear friend. So it's on my wall and I really need it at this time as a reminder that having faith in whatever it means to you is important during such times. Okay, now that I have the 545 taken care of, I wanted to continue speaking about self-care practice in times of distress, such as this pandemic. The information I'm providing is to be conscientious and self-protect, which is by no means some intervention, but at least some self-protection. When I first heard about the virus, I wasn't bothered by it too much because it was not prevalent in the United States. And at the time, my concern was how it was being taken care of. How were the cases being monitored? And where did it actually originate? However, the more I heard about the widespread of the virus, the more I grew concerned. There were a few things running in my mind. Is it true? How will this impact me? What can I do to protect me? How do I protect others? How should I prepare? So I gathered my thoughts and went to sources such as the news pertaining to the news. Now be careful, only news from credible sources like your local health department, CDC news. It's important to really look at those sources. Oftentimes you can get a lot of misinformation and that could mislead you. So my friend, also my roommate, has sent a video where Denzel Washington mentions that too much information isn't valuable when it's not from a credible source. In the industry of news and media, there is this race to be the first with the juicy news. But in that process, a lot of information can be bombarded with opinions and bias. This can lead to misinformation, distress, and even, believe it or not, prejudice and discrimination. So I'm keeping my eyes and ears out for only credible information. Now, there's also pseudoscience to test for the virus and see if you actually have it or not. And believe it or not, if it's not from a healthcare provider, it won't be really helpful either because there's not enough evidence or information how the coronavirus can really show itself because some people are in asymptomatic and those tests administered by you, you're not really sure how to navigate and look for that virus. So 
first is to check the source. Now, the second is hygiene. Now, being a germaphobe, I have always carried wipes with me. One in my car, in my purse, in my bathroom. And now it's been a shortage. Yikes. I'm only, I'm only using it towards what I bring back home. I wipe my cell phones, watches, I know this is a bit extreme, purses, jewelry, laptops, or anything I buy that comes home gets a bit of a wipe here and there. Because you don't know where things have been. And with this virus on the loose, clinically, it has been mentioned that it can sustain itself outside for 72 hours on surfaces. So yeah, it's better to hone up on that hygiene. So credible news, hygiene. Third, I also, before I move on to third, sorry, backing up to my clothes that I wear outside, I also keep them in a bag and toss them in a plastic bag and shoes, I leave them at the door. Now, I might have to spray some Lysol at the soles and keep them away if I feel like I have walked in a heavily populated area. So showering, this is a no-brainer. I'm not gonna go into detail. And third is for me, eating out. I love to eat out, but I greatly minimized and it's probably a benefit for me in one way. I save money and I reduce my chances of eating unhealthy. So that being said, this moves on to the fourth, limiting my social interaction. And this really hurts because I do miss interacting with people, friends, and meeting new people. But for safety reasons, because of this uncertainty or uncertainty of the virus, and people may have unknowingly traveled with someone who was exposed or contracted the virus. So I have reduced public transportation, traveling, and I'm someone who loves to travel, but I had to minimize for my safety and for the safety of others. Even with certain job situations, I have limited my contact because of potential risk. This is also relevant to having personal boundaries, guys. So self-care, begins with knowing your source of information. Is it credible? Two, honing up on hygiene. Maybe what hygiene practices can be incorporated during this time. Three, limiting contacts uh, from people, especially who have traveled or you feel that you're not really comfortable. How could you voice that, but also in a gentle and calm and graceful way? Fourth, is make sure wherever you travel you're not going into publicly crowded places or using public transportation where there is an opportunity to expose yourself to the virus and lastly is making sure you have the right resources in place or available because say you're feeling the symptoms whom do you contact do you have a healthcare provider do you have the health department? Is there testing being um, administered for the virus? So these are a couple of things to note down when you're thinking about self-care during this time. Also, there is a sense of urgency in putting these practices in place because 
the president has stated that the pandemic has summoned a national emergency for this country. So this means the testing will be accessible and available. So please, please, please focus on these dimensions of self-care. And to my dear healthcare professionals, sending you lots of love, please continue to rehabilitate and elevate. And in my next episode, I will have a guest speaker who will speak on the art of using her body as an instrument and dance. But at the meantime, guys, just focus on you and how you can really hone up on that self-care. Take care.